This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, hi everybody. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. I understand Carly Shimk is co-host of Oxford Friends First will be here shortly. Daniel Hoffman standing by, former CIA station chief, served in uh, Moscow, Iraq, Pakistan, and South Asia. He's going to be with us shortly. I'm going to tap into the what the hell is going on in Russia part of his resume. But first, as we get ready to close out this holiday week, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The cocaine found in the White House was had belonged to either the president or his son. Are you willing to say that that's not the case, that they don't belong to them? I, I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. Are you insane? Careful about the Hatch Act? Andrew Bates? you got to be kidding. <clears throat> Coke, a joke. The pot thickens as the who left the bag of Coke at the White House. We now learn it was found in a cubby near the White House's West Executive entrance, not the formal West Wing lobby, which was previously reported. Ridiculous excuses and silence now surrounds the family as more controversy about the sweetheart Hunter deal lies in the balance. Number two. My dad used to have an expression for growing up, my word. He said, Joey, a job's a lot of, about a lot more than the paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. That's Bidenomics. Ugh, Bidenomics. Joe says the economy is something to run on, not from. Big mistake as he sends his Treasury Secretary to China to rekindle our economic friendship. Wrong message, wrong messenger. Number one. Uh, we are launching threads, <laughs> an open and friendly public space for conversations. I am looking forward to uh, the fun journey ahead. Really? Zuck versus Musk. The meta man suddenly decides he wants to take down Twitter with his new site, Threads. The danger for Elon is real, but it's worse for us. A more imperfect company. Yes, it is good, but it is at least free. All right, meanwhile, get the podcast, BrianKillMeatShow.com. Meanwhile, let's bring in Daniel Hoffman. Daniel, it was impossible not to watch what's happening in Russia and amazed by the fact that even the most knowledgeable Russian experts don't know exactly what's happening. But I was able to see those fighter jets harass our predator drones en route to Syria. No threat to them, but it's just disrespect to us. What is Russia up to, Dan? Yeah, well, good to be with you, Brian, and happy Friday to everybody. Uh, Look, Vladimir Putin is trying to navigate a very challenging domestic uh, political landscape after Prigozhin's failed mutiny. And what he's trying to demonstrate to his own people is that Russia can go toe-to-toe with the world's superpower. And this is one way to do it. He's going to pick places and times and, and situations where it's to Russia's advantage, asymmetric warfare. In this case, Russian fighter aircraft going up against unarmed drones. And he's just trying to show that, that he can take a shot at the United States, and, and he'll play it out as making us look weak. 
Now, from our side, from the Pentagon side, there are rules of engagement uh, to respond appropriately and proportionally. And I'm quite sure that we've had some background uh, discussions with the Russians, with Russian counterparts from our Department of Defense on just sort of how dangerous this is. It's, it's really uh, a situation which could lead to miscalculation. Right. But at one point, do we stand up for ourselves? Remember, we did nothing uh, when our, when our uh, drone was taken out. There's millions of dollars. And that, was, uh, that happened just on their belligerence. That was international skies. And now two days in a row doing this as we're en route to nothing to do with Russia, uh, going after terrorists, ISIS terrorists in Syria. Here is Brigadier General Ryder. Tell me if you like this posture. Cut 15. Cut 25. Three Russian fighter jets began harassing uh, those drones, uh, using things like uh, parachute flares to drop in front of them, as well as uh, one aircraft engaging its afterburner, clearly meant to harass um, and clearly unprofessional and unsafe behavior on the part of the Russians. Um, you've heard us say before that our focus in Syria is purely on the defeat ISIS mission, uh, and so that will continue to be our focus. Uh, like AFSENT, we call on the Russian forces to cease this type of reckless behavior and to behave like professional airmen. So how about you think the Russians will do that now, act more professional? No, and this situation, similar to what Iran is doing in the Gulf, uh, it's clearly a lack of deterrence. Deterrence means that you deter your adversary from doing things that would harm you because they know that it would come back to harm them even worse. And that's where we have failed. If you don't do anything about them taking down our drone in the Black Sea, they're going to continue to take shots at our drones in the Middle East. They don't care about the counter-ISIS mission, even though, rationally speaking, that's, a, that's something that we should be working on together. Uh, but that doesn't matter to Vladimir Putin. He's just going to keep probing and keep probing until we push back. Should we push back if it happens again today? Yeah, I'm sure the military will push back. I think, again, we need to warn the Russians that we're going to push back. Remember years ago when, in the Trump administration, a, a few hundred Wagner mercenaries yes. were proceeding to target our troops in Dar Azor, Syria, and our troops called in air support. We, count, we told the Russians what we were going to do before we did it, and the Russian military had nothing to say. And so our air, air support, close air support, which, by the way, Ukraine doesn't have, and that's why their own counteroffensive is slower. But our, our close air support took out those Wagner mercenaries. That's what we do. And, and the Russian military left them out there hanging out to dry. So we certainly have the capability. Uh, we don't want to escalate this. But at the same time, we've got to stand up for ourselves. Today. I, I would hope yeah. it would be today. Yesterday, Brian. Right. Well, how about two weeks ago? How yeah. about, yeah, and now that we could put up, that we could put up fighter jets. But wouldn't that defeat the purpose of a of a you know unsurveillable predator drone? If you put up fighter jets with it, then suddenly they know what's coming. It, it could degrade our 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 primary mission, which is to find, fix, and finish terrorists. But at the same time, we may have to do that in order to keep the drones in the air. Uh, so look, this one. I mean, I'm sure we're going to try to try to solve it diplomatically, but. Our enemies at this point, specifically Russia, China, China's doing this all over the world against us, not always militarily, but with their ubiquitous espionage, uh, and Iran. They're, they're all targeting us. And again, this is a question of whether we are demonstrating that we can uh, deliver the kind of deterrence that it takes to operate in this very dangerous world.
And it's more dangerous because Vladimir Putin is weaker today than he's ever been. And that means he's going to take chances like this. Right. And can you imagine what he will do if you shoot down one of his jets? And now he's lost 50 percent of his fighting force, they estimated, U.K. estimates, fighting in Ukraine, could not even defend his own capital. And then his fighter jets get taken out by one of ours. What is he going to do? That's a good question. And, and if you were sitting in the White House, I'm sure you'd be game planning this with the intelligence community and the U.S. Department of Defense and the State Department. I'm quite sure that there are meetings going on right now in the National Security Council about how to manage this extraordinarily uh, tricky challenge. So what, that's what Vladimir Putin wants. So now he's got to worry about his own security. What about the mystery behind where Pashogian is? the founder and leader of Wagner, not in Belarus, at a base that was given to him, evidently in St. Petersburg. Here's Alexander Lushenko, the president of Belarus. Cut 23. In terms of Yevgeny Prigozhin, he is in St. Petersburg. Or maybe this morning he would travel to Moscow or elsewhere. But he's not on the territory of Belarus now. The news is making him out more and more to be these evil terrorists in right. Moscow, in Russia. So what, what, is the, what is his fate? Why does he feel he can go back to Russia and not get an axe in his head? Well, he still may get an axe in his head at some point. Vladimir Putin is very well aware that there's a lot of support for Prigozhin, uh, not obviously just among the Wagner mercenaries he once led, but also the Russian military. Remember that Wagner forces took over the Rostov military district just over the border of Ukraine, which is responsible for Russia's military operations in Ukraine. They did that without firing a shot. So Vladimir Putin would be risking a lot if he were to target Prigozhin with some sort of uh, attack of the sort he mounted against Navalny, for example, the, the, the uh, banned chemical nerve agent uh, Novichok. Uh, so he's got to hold his, his fire for the moment. But the Russian state-controlled uh, Orwellian uh, media is de- denigrating uh, Prigozhin, and and that's kind of a precursor to whatever Putin is going to do with him. But they they've been I've been watching the, the the Russian state TV. They've been you know they've raided his facilities. They found wigs that he used and gold bullion, uh, and they're trying to denigrate him with his own followers and the population writ large, so that when Putin does take action, uh, that Putin won't suffer any any consequences among the Russian military he needs so desperately right now. But you know what, uh, Dan Hoffman, our guest, Dan, CIA guy, Dan, what I find interesting is uh, uh, Sergeyan does not feel uh, like he's being threatened. Why would he go back to St. Petersburg if he felt like his life was in danger? Right. He's a populist leader. He never served in the military or in Russian intelligence. He was a hot dog salesman. So there are limits to what this guy can do. And he was very ineffective, ultimately, at uh, his primary mission, which was to mutiny and overthrow the Minister of Defense, Shoigu, and the Army Chief of Staff, Gerasimov. Putin wasn't going to relieve them of their official duties because he needs them. He relies on them. They're Putin's closest uh, allies. But right now, Prigozhin feels like he can, he can hang in Russia. He doesn't have a lot of other choices. You know, wherever, it, Belarus is not safe for him. And, uh, and, and he knows that, that he's incurred Vladimir Putin's wrath. Uh, you know, I, I watched a, uh, an interview of Vladimir Putin with a super obsequious journalist uh, years ago, and, and the journalist asked Putin about what, you know, Putin seemed to be such a forgiving person. Was there anything Putin couldn't forgive? And Putin said, which means treachery. So Prigozhin's on the short list of guys Putin's going to whack at some point. And Prigozhin's only hope is to be strong enough with enough populist support that Putin just can't do it. And that maybe someday, somehow, someone will take over 
after Putin and maybe ally himself with Prigozhin. That's the kind of situation we're in. It is extraordinarily precarious, and there's got to be a lot of concern about Russia's nuclear arsenal. Who's got control of it? And what would happen if, if, if Wagner mercenaries, if they, they were to take over Rostov so easily, what if they took over you know, a nuclear site? Even I mean, What happens then? So there are a lot of concerns here. Things are kind of dark right now in Russia. Right. Uh, what do you hear about the offensive, uh, the Ukrainian offensive? And are you in support of us giving cluster bombs to the Ukrainians? It looks like we're going to do it. 120 countries banned it. Many of our NATO allies don't want us to do this. So according to you know, General Keene is the guy I always turn to, the Institute for Study of War, and what, what the ISW is saying is that Ukraine is kind of holding back on, on mounting uh, an intense counteroffensive right now. They're probing Russia, and uh, they are searching for, for spots that they can later target with, with more forces. But look, I, I, the cluster munitions, I would have been in favor of giving Ukraine the long-range artillery, attack them. The F-16s, the close air support that they so desperately need, uh, and the Abrams tanks. Those are the things they need. And the cluster munitions, maybe there's some value there, but there's a lot of uh, negatives associated with doing that. And we just haven't given Ukraine what they needed when they needed it fast enough. Putin is the only success Vladimir Putin has, the only one, is the rhetorical nuclear brinkmanship. Every time he talks about nuclear war and Armageddon, the Biden administration doesn't give Ukraine what they need. Back in the day, it was Patriot missiles and javelins and, anti- and javelin anti-tank weapons. And now it's, it's the, the things that I mentioned, uh, the Abrams tanks, the TACMs, and the F-16s. And, and that, to me, is a major part of the story. And Ukrainians I talk to are, are thankful for everything the United States has done, uh, but, but frustrated that we haven't quite done enough fast enough. And, uh, and gosh, yeah. you know, it's Zelensky who's awakened NATO from their post-Cold War slumber. Ukraine's done more than any country ever has done to defend, counter, and deter Russia. That's deterrence, by the way. When you kill 200,000 Russians or 200,000 Russian casualties, that's going to deter the Russians from mounting further operations in, in Eastern Europe and the Baltic. Are you worried about the Zaporizhia nuclear facility? Yes. I am worried about it. The Ukrainian uh, head of military intelligence, Budanov, said that the Russians had put down explosives to bomb it. Uh, that's a that's a major concern that that they would that they would consider mounting some sort of an operation like that and maybe false flag it and try to make it look like somebody else did it. And that would have repercussions, environmental repercussions on on Ukraine and Europe writ large, uh, way beyond what happened at Chernobyl. So these are some of the things that. A war like this, Russia's unprovoked, brutal war of aggression, has caused millions of Ukrainians to flee their country. Uh, it's caused, it's wrecked the world economy, the export of grain from Ukraine, and it's got this risk of nuclear disaster. I mean, what more could you ask for, right? Yeah, and by the way, uh, Zelensky is going to visit uh, Erdogan in Turkey. But a quick thing on, on this actual offensive itself. Some say Bakhmut is going to go back to Ukrainian hands, and that's going to have a chance to encircle what's left of the Russian troops. Would that be something advantageous towards towards this a successful counterinsurgency? Yeah, it could. Bakhmut has really been Ukraine's courageous stand. And remember, when when the Biden administration was telling Zelensky that that you know Ukraine could withdraw and there would be no negative impact on Ukraine's military strategy, Zelensky said, "No, nah, I think we need to stay and fight." And they killed, you know, 20,000 Wagner mercenaries. That was the final nail in the coffin, which drove a wedge between Prigozhin and the Minister of Defense Shoigu, because for months Prigozhin was ripping on Shoigu and saying that the Russian army wasn't giving the Wagner mercenaries the supplies, the ammunition that they needed to fight. 
And that was what precur- was the precursor to the to the failed mutiny that has caused Putin to be in such a weakened state. So Zelensky realized the strategic value of Bakhmut. I'm not saying it's as valuable as Stalingrad was, but when the history of this war is written, there will be a lot written about Bakhmut and Zelensky and the Ukrainian courageous military standing up to fight when it mattered most. And how about when Moscow is under attack, uh, Vladimir Putin left Mr. Tough yeah. Guy, Mr. Judo Black Belt, I'll fight yep. to the end. Oh, excuse me, they're getting close. I have to leave now. Think about that in his image. Yeah, and, and Zelensky's on the front lines. Whether it was Bucha, the site of that brutal massacre uh, that the Russians inflicted on Ukrainian civilians. Ukraine, remember Zelensky's first words of the war, I don't need aircraft. The United States offered him an ex- exfiltration on aircraft. I don't need aircraft. I need ammunition. The fight is here. God bless him, you know. I know. He, he turned out to be a great leader, and I think much to the surprise of Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Massive intelligence failure for Putin, not to not who underestimated Ukraine's will and capacity to fight, yeah. and Zelensky's capacity to lead the greatest wartime effort since World War II. Go get him, Dan Hoffman. Thanks so much for the perspective, Dan Hoffman. Thank you. Your calls next, Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, We are launching Threads, an open and friendly public space conversations. I am looking forward to uh, the fun journey ahead to turn this into the the kind of big and friendly community that I think we all want to see in the world. Really? I want to see a friendly community on social media? Since when? Uh, It will never be friendly as long as people give opinions and give their thoughts. Have you met people? Number two, Threads is only because Elon Musk is doing it and because it is a free platform. And for the most part, if you don't have violence or something obscene to say, what you put post stays. And what you've posted in the past will be exposed. Threads will be secret. They're already blocking people. So if you come out and say the vaccine doesn't work, that ivermectin's effective, 
Are you suspended? Are you shadow banned? I tell you what, with Elon Musk Twitter, you're not. We're going to go back to the future if Threads catches on. I know they got 30 million users because if you're on Instagram, you immediately become a user by clicking a box. So that's a lot different than asking someone to go to the App Store and uh, and find out what everything's about and fill out who's what, who what, when and where. Uh, with Twitter, you're on already. But be smart about it. Musk has to win this battle. I'll have more of that with Carly Shimkus in a moment. We're also going to talk about a marriage that I hope never happens in a relationship that is not true. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Look, I don't blame businesses for wanting things to be cleaned up for the first opportunity to have legitimate foot traffic in and out of their stores that isn't people coming in there to steal things. Um, I don't blame them for wanting that and demanding that of the city. The question is, you put all this effort in for a baseball game. Can we keep it that way? Um, And clearly what the last couple weeks has shown is that they can, if they want to, find the political will to do these things. Uh, So if they can do it for a baseball game, can you do it for our economy? Please. So that was Brandy Krause, host of Undivided, the Undivided, uh, the the host of the Undivided podcast, talking about Seattle cleaning up a city for the All-Star game. We know Seattle's an absolute mess, but they say it's no problem. It's a huge problem, and they know the world will be watching. Carly, what was your number one? Carly Shimkus is here, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Yes, and you can see we're on Fox Nation. Oh, good. Yes. You just realized that? Um, no, I knew that, but I um, wanted to sound excited. Okay, good. You love to stream as opposed to cable. What was the big? What's the big the difference? Big difference. Between, I like both. I don't take sides. You don't take I sides. I am a neutral arbiter in this. Discussion. What about uh, Carly on an antenna, a broadcast over the over the, the bunny dial. ears? Yes. You think it's cute? It's a little throwback. You moment. don't care. You're just going to perform yeah, the same way. Every, uh, yes, exactly. Radio, People on their phones listening to you. Right uh, now. Morse code. Yeah, Doesn't I don't matter. No. Yeah. You're any form it. of communication. If you're tapping out Carly's comments yes. right now, she's <laughs> also <laughs> happy. <laughs> So it is pretty true. I I didn't think about the All Star game, but they got to go clean up these cities. Yeah. And if you are that embarrassed by it, why don't you clean it up every day? That is the key question. And so that you you're right, Brandy Cruz. She was on the end of. She's the host of the Undivided podcast. Was on Fox and Friends first. Uh, great guest, by the way. Very insightful. Very fair in her commentary. And she was telling me that the area around Marlins Stadium is that the Seattle Marlins? Yeah. Um, is Mariners. Mariners. I knew it started with Close. an M. Yep. Um, is the, one of the worst areas of Seattle. It's just where all of these homeless encampments are, and they've let it fester. Uh, and apparently the mayor has been doing s- some sweeps of these homeless encampments, but it has expedited exponentially because this game is next week. And we've seen this happen in liberal cities before. If you remember Los Angeles, they cleaned out all, all the homeless people just in time for the Oscars. So the rich and famous and can the go, Super Bowl. and all the cameras are there, and they want their city to look great. But it, it's so clearly political. I, they claim to care about homeless people up until an event that spotlights their city, and then they say, the heck with them. We want the money. We want the revenue. We want the income from the tourists. And they clearly don't care about the taxpayers who have been asking them for years to work on this issue, and they turn a blind eye to it to appease the homeless activists. Not only that, you're not allowed to touch them, so uh, cops can't even enforce the hell that breaks out in their own mini-society. 
But where do you put them? The Four Seasons? Well, I mean, they don't just disappear. No, and that's really one of the key questions when it comes to the homeless issue is, is there an actual solution to this problem? Because we have an incredible social safety net in our country. So if you need help, you can get it. So that means that if you're homeless and on the street, mm-hmm. it's typically by choice. But yeah, you're either a drug addict or you have some mental issues. And, you know, you talked to Dr. Drew about that because he's an expert on it. He really studied it from Los Angeles. He spent a bulk of his time in San Francisco. Most of his mental illness. These yeah. aren't people that just, oh, those rents are too high. I'm better off in a pup tent. Right. That's not the case. That's not the case. So um, let's look back in our lives as we change gears and think about all the times that cocaine has been found in the White House. All right. What's the first time? Mm. Hey, wait a second. Mm. Okay, what about the mm, – I think the first time I can remember cocaine in the White House has been this last week. And you, week. Are, you are a historian. Thank so, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's well, never do. happened I'm a, before. I'm a history enthusiast. Yes, exactly. Right? No, so, I would give you the historian title. Well, I'm, that's very nice of You're you. Welcome. I should change my business card <laughs> for enthusiast. I'm just enthusiastic about a lot of things. Yeah. The White House, Andrew Bates, Deputy Press Secretary on Air Force One – was asked about Donald Trump saying, we know it's Joe and Hunter's cocaine, and where it's located now is a place you need a pass to get to. Here's what he said, cut 11. Former President Trump has made some pretty wild posts uh, recently on social media. Uh, one of them was that uh, the cocaine found in the White House was had belonged to either the president or his son. Are you willing to say that that's not the case, that they don't belong to them? I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. Uh, What I will say is that I have noticed there does seem to be some increasing frustration coming from that corner in general. Uh, And I think it is probably rooted in the contrast between their substantive policy records. Have you ever heard the Hatch Act being brought up more than with this administration? (laughs) It's unbelievable. So uh, what the Hatch Act is. Can I just say it? Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The Hatch Act is if cocaine's found in the White House, (laughs) don't comment on it. So this is exactly why they came up with Senator Orrin Hatch's Hatch Act. The answer is it's such an easy layup because Trump's tweet was – what Trump tweeted was The president does coke. Yeah. He accused Biden of doing coke. So you say that's not – that's absolutely false, and you can – it's politics. You can criticize the former president's tweet and move on. To, to use the Hatch Act is – I don't know if he's just inexperienced or mm. didn't know how to handle it because you're talking about somebody that's – but it's not a Hatch Act violation. It's a news story that he's responding to, which mm. is his job. Carly, maybe he can't deny that one of the Bidens has that cocaine. I, I mean, that, that's basically it. So basically, the new report says cocaine was found in a cubby right near the White House's West Executive entrance, not the formal West Wing lobby that some tourists could get to. Who got blamed for the cocaine by the library? It wasn't by the library and not by an area in which the tourists get to. Now, if you are a White House friend and your your friend works at the White House, they could have brought you through and it could be that person's cocaine, but for the general public that says, I'm here for the White House tour, I'm from Montana, and this is my family, um, yeah. I have Cody and Brock, and, um, and this is my first wife, my second wife, I'd like you to go on a tour, uh, and then we're going to go to the Smithsonian, then we're going to go see the uh, Washington Monument. If it's one of those, 
Can't get, can't there. get in there. Can't yeah. get in there. Yeah. I wonder if you just did describe a family perfectly and they're listening right now and they're like, whoa. Call in one eight six six four oh eight. Brocker in the back of the exactly. minivan. Oh, by the way, a great time to walk to the Washington Monument. You will be 100 pounds thinner by the time <laughs> yeah, you get there. so hot. So the cocaine was found at an entrance between the foyer and the lower lobby. Mm. The source said the entrance is right near the vehicles like the vice president's limo or SUV. It is one of the uh, – it is – one floor below the main West Wing offices on the same floor. Okay. And the reason why this guy, Gates, didn't comment, yeah, his name's Gates, yeah, and- is because it could be true. It could be Hunter's. And does he want to be caught saying, it is not Hunter Biden's? Okay. Yeah. So a few things on this story that is, uh, it's no small thing that cocaine was found at the White House. It'll <laughs> it's blow unbelievable. Up. By the way, it'll, be blo- it'll blow up his whole plea deal. If it's if it ends up being hunters and but if it is, will we ever find out? That's one question. But let me just um, say one of the things that is confusing to me is that the story has changed now three times as to where the cocaine was found. Initially, I listened to the the call. The Daily Mail published it. The initial 911 call, the dispatcher said that there was a white substance that was found in the library, which is still a part of the White House tours. But that's in the East Wing, a couple floors down from where the first family lives. Then the Secret Service said, oh, no, 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 actually, it was in the West Wing, all the way on the other side of the White House. And now we're hearing, oh, wait, no, never mind. It was found near the Situation Room, which is in a different location. So you would think that there would be a flurry of activity around the suspicious white bag. You would think so. And we would know exa- like definitively where it was found. So the fact that the story changed is interesting. The other thing that I think is notable is that this investigator uh, spoke to Politico and is already hedging on if we'll ever learn whose cocaine this actually was. Because Daniel they Lippmann said, had that story. Yeah, they said, listen, it's going to be very difficult to discover who belonged to this bag because, you know, there's not a whole lot of cameras in this area. If that is true, then there is a serious lapse in security in the White House that needs to be immediately addressed. The other possible theory is that they already know who it belongs to and they just don't want to admit it. And I'm not insinuating that it is definitely Hunter Biden and saying that the other possibility is that it's just somebody else's and it becomes a total political headache for the Biden administration to then prosecute this guy when President Biden's son is a former drug addict who he says he's proud of. Wow. It is complicated. But if the Secret Service knows do you think they're going to be deposed like the Secret Service that worked for Donald Trump that evidently has been called in to testify against him about what they knew at Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, I know. And, and this is one key. I know they say it's law enforcement. But if you're going to, have to be with someone 24-7 and let's say they have a fight with their spouse and let's say their kid it comes out and he came in he a little tipsy and got away with drunk driving the night before. So the other time the young girl tends to answer the mom back. So you have to feel comfortable with that family, and that family has to feel comfortable with you to work security. That's not going to end up in some book somewhere. It's not going to end up in some column somewhere. So you're saying that the Secret Service detail who uh, is assigned to a family gets to become a part of the family. I don't know enough about the Secret Service to know if that's true or not. These are also law enforcement Well, I just know they've been flipped with Trump. I never heard of a Secret Service testifying against the people they're guarding. Mm -hmm. Lady Bird Johnson didn't have her secret didn't service. Didn't the Secret Service protect Hunter Biden over the gun thing? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't Called in when he wasn't even, his dad wasn't even in office mm-hmm. because the wife at the, or the former wife or the girlfriend, Bo's former wife, 
said he thought he was going to hurt himself, so she took the gun and threw it to a dumpster across the street. Well, all I know is that congressional Republicans think that something's up because James Comer was like, uh, I'd like to talk to these Secret Service agents to get some more information on this story, because I think a lot of people find mm-hmm. it very hard to believe that they will not be able to discover who this person is. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow they'll say they'll give a name. And they did DNA and fingerprint testing. Yes. But even though they were doing that testing, they, they were still saying might come up empty. Right. So it's just DNA is DNA is like flipping a coin out here. Yeah. Uh, really, it's not definitive. <laughs> uh, everybody says, oh, it's just his DNA. We can't prove it. Uh, here's Brett Tolman last night, cut 13. He is a law enforcement expert and a former U.S. attorney. The requirements that they're putting on him are that he's not supposed to do drugs and he's not supposed to possess a firearm. Well, that's easy enough. Just give him a felony and let him suffer the consequences like everybody else for, for his, his felonious you know, activities. This bag of cocaine, if it has any connection any connection whatsoever to Hunter, it is a game changer. The federal drug laws are very tough, even on small amounts. Five grams of a, of a cocaine base can get you a mandatory minimum five years in federal prison. It will all depend on what the pro- prosecutors want to do. But this is this is a very treacherous territory for, for Hunter Biden. Final thought. Well, uh, I would just say that if it is, in fact, his, then the judge needs to take this into deep consideration, who, by the way, is a Trump appointee. And some I know the Wall Street Journal has been speaking out saying that they, he, this judge should not accept this plea deal. Yes. And, you know, and that is still a possibility. He goes to court in July. Kali Shimkus is here. When we come back, the relationship, I hope, will never happen, but might have started already. That's true when we return. Okay, not with Don't me. Say, no. Oh, okay, got it. Back in a moment. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmead coming up. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmead. Now, hey, I know I'm old as f***. I get it, America. I'm tired. I'm slowing down. I make Al Pacino look like Timothy f- Chalamet. I know I wasn't your first choice in 2020. Hell, I wasn't my first choice. You think I like getting a syringe of B12 plunged in my ass every morning just to stay alert enough to run this country? Sh- no. But these are the cards we're dealt, Jack. I'm going to be so hopped up on goofballs and cocaine. I'm going to make Don Jr. look normal. Reality is I can't step down and let who? Kamala run? Have you seen her as Veep? Get the f*** out of here. My priorities in 2024. So all I can say is a vote for me is a vote for four more years of holding fascism at bay. Or as long as this ticker keeps pumping a minimal amount of blood for consciousness. And if you can't tell this is an AI-generated voice, then lots of luck in your senior year. Whatever the f- that means. So what was that, Allison, Eric? What you, would you find? That was the Daily Show, and they gave us AI-generated Joe Biden. Dude, was it really? Or was it just a guy just going off? No, that was AI-generated. Get out of here. Yeah. On the Daily Show. Yeah. And what do you think the daily, what do you think the mission was? Did they say make a mockery of Joe Biden? Make him- just to make a funny campaign ad. I think they probably trained it on his voice and then wrote the script. What do you think, Carly? Wow. I was trying to figure what the heck that was in real time. I was like, this is too good to be a a, Sounds like a young Joe Biden. Yeah. I was like, are they just like splicing his words together and trying to seamlessly make him sound like he's saying something he's not? That is a news story in and of itself because 
I was like, maybe he just did something kind of funny. <laughs> and it was AI. I am blown away. I, I find it hard to believe that Daily Show didn't write that. No, they wrote they, it, but they, they had a guy, a guy, AI do the voice. Oh, AI did the voice, but they wrote it. Yes, they probably. Eric no, no, that, see, it that's better. key, uh, uh, Eric, because the AI should be able to write that too. It could, in theory. I mean, I'm sure they asked it to write something, but that just the way it's written strikes me as very Daily Show. Right. Yeah. Uh, and was to <laughs> mock him, to mock him like that is everything we know that they don't cover in other channels. Like, do you know what CNN did today? They pointed out, they go, yeah, this is the cocaine story. Well, let's just point out other problems with drugs. Snoop Dogg on Jimmy Kimmel talking about what he did. Uh, Willie Nelson. Oh, my gosh. Talk talking about burying about the Bryant. lead. Are you kidding me? I mean, that they just that was their angle? to make it no big deal. Wow. Um, all, that soundbite was funny, but also, like, <laughs> terrifying. Because, it's because so I thought it was Joe Biden. All right. Now let me tell you something really terrifying. Okay. Kim Kardashian, an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, should be lauded for her entrepreneurial uh, skills. Could be out to destroy an American icon, unintentionally. Turns out Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian were su- super flirty with each other on the on that Hamptons party that nobody I know was invited to uh, by uh, this guy. I think it's Mike Rubin. He's the fanatic CEO. So he and Kardashian, Tom Brady and Kardashian. He's forty five. She's forty two. He is retired. Evidently, they've been together in other places. Could this be real? I think it could be. They were seen together on the beach. You're not just going to the beach with a friend. Right. Unless you need a ride. That's kind of like a beginning of the date thing. (laughs) Go to the beach during the day? Yeah. Uh, Like like I want to get to know like a long walk on the beach. That's a date. That's true. And what is the new thing? Just lunch? What's just lunch? Is it just lunch? This new dating thing? I don't think it's that new. <laughs> is that oh, new? See, I'm not cool anymore. Yeah, I have uh, to check with the our summer associates all the time to see if like I know. Like, how did I'm they like, start is, dating again? If you no, want to. no, just like so. Is this still cool? And they're like, ah, oh, kind of, mm. <laughs> like whatever it it may be. So Tom Brady is going to be with a woman that destroyed Kanye West is out of his mind. I mean, Why are you blaming Kim Kardashian on that? Mm. I mean, it doesn't help. The family, it, it's, it doesn't work. Who was she first married to? Kim Kardashian. Chris Humphreys. Uh, Chris Humphreys. Yeah. Ruined at a basketball. Why is that Kim Kardashian's fault? You have Kanye West. She's also ruined some other people along the way. Didn't she date some other people? She dated, Why are you trying to blame her? I totally yeah, agree with you, What Carly. the heck? Not- she dated Reggie Bush as well. Not in football. He's doing great. He's an announcer. Wait, this is unbelievable. You're spinning this on Kim Kardashian, and now you think that she's going to ruin Tom Brady? Yes. These men should be, like, kissing the ground she walks on. She's That's so the problem. Attractive. Right, and they lose all their self-esteem and self-worth. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. We can't end uh, on this negative note. Carly, see you over Say the weekend. nice. Okay, bye. <laughs> From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here and being with me all week long. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Shannon Bream and our retired general, Philip Breedlove, former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO and distinguished professor uh, at the Sam Nunn School of International Affairs over at Georgia Tech. 
Uh, we have a lot to discuss today, Bloom for the President of the United States. Let me see. It's a weekend. Let me see the calendar. Oh, we hope it. That's where you want the president. Uh, he's going to be going over there, and we wish him all the luck in the world. And I think there's going to be about 12 candidates in New Hampshire, South Carolina, or Iowa this weekend on the right. But nobody's earned more money. No one has raised more money than the front runner, Donald Trump, $35 million, $20 million for the many people thought the man who could unseat Donald Trump for the nomination, and that is Ron DeSantis. That's just in six weeks. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The cocaine found in the White House was had belonged to either the president or his son. Are you willing to say that that's not the case, that they don't belong to them? I, I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. Yes, be careful of the Hatch Act. Don't say it's not the president's 80-year-old, the 80-year-old president's cocaine. We don't want to violate the Hatch Act. Uh, Coca joke. Uh, the plot thickens as who left the bag of, of Coke at the White House. And we now learn it was found in the cubby near the White House's West Executive Entrance, not the formal West Wing lobby, as was previously reported. Ridiculous excuses and silence now surrounds the family. The most controversy about the sweetheart deal, more controversy about the sweetheart deal Hunter received uh, is revealed. Number two. My dad used to have an expression for growing up, my word. He'd say, Joey, a job's a lot of, about a lot more than the paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. That's right. Bidenomics. Right, exactly. And then he told that story about watching two gay men walk down the street in 1950 and kiss. Uh, I don't think any of this stuff is true. Binomics, Joe says his testimony is something, his economy is something to run on, not from. Many think that's a mistake. Treasury Secretary is in China to rekindle our economic friendship. They did not deserve this rekindling. They are belligerent to us in every way. It's time the president realized Republicans and Democrats agree on this. Number one. Uh, we are launching threads, an open and friendly public space for conversations. I am looking forward to uh, the fun journey ahead. Really? Mark Zuckerberg, Zuck first Musk. The meta man suddenly realizes he wants to take down Twitter with his new site, Threads. The danger for Elon is real, but is worse for us. As imperfect as Twitter is, I love the fact that we can know for sure we're not being manipulated by outside forces, which the law now should be preventing, in theory. Let's bring retired General Philip Relove. General, welcome back. Hey, good to talk to you, Brian. General, there was probably the most controversial thing out there today. 120 countries voted to say, I don't want to use cluster bombs anymore in war. They detonate late and they're dangerous uh, after conflicts often. We, are going, we have not signed on to that ban, and we're going to be giving them to Ukraine in order to continue their counteroffensive against Russia. Are you for that? Well, a little bit of background before I tell you that I'm okay with it. We have not signed on because that sort of weapon is extremely critical to the war plans and our defense in Korea and being able to blunt a North Korean push before it gets south of Seoul. So we have, uh, we have long avoided uh, signing up. The second thing is the ban is actually there for a good reason, because for many decades, the bombs that were being used were incredibly unreliable. And there would be lots of duds, and it's, it's a, a problem to work with the ground after you've 
drop this kind of weapon. The new uh, stuff that we use now has an extremely high, greater than 99%, I believe, you need to check that, uh, reliability rate. So we have come a long way. So what I would guess I would say is that you know that Russia is using this type of equipment. Russia has mined huge swaths of Ukraine, some of it just to keep Ukraine from being able to farm the fields, nothing to do with military. And so these weapons are already on the battlefield in Ukraine, and therefore I am not opposed to this decision. So, all right, so what about the F-15-16s? At this point, knowing what you know about the counteroffensive, do you think we have to give it to them? And are you for giving General Breedlove, are you for giving them the attackums, long-range missiles? So let me answer the second one uh, first. Yes, we should have done it a long time ago. Um, you know, and I know, that you can't fight a war when you give the enemy sanctuary. And we have given, we have been a part of enforcing sanctuary for Russia. We forbid Ukraine from using long-range weapons that we give them to strike into Russia. And so Russia enjoys sanctuary to the north in Belarus, to the east and southeast in Russia, in uh, Ukraine's Crimea and the Black Sea. These are all essentially sanctuary because we forbid Ukraine from using the kit that we give them. We need to hold Crimea at risk. And the way to do that is with long-range, precise strike. And I am for, I have been for, and many of us have been calling for ATACMs for Ukraine for a long time. When we can hold Crimea at risk with persistent, pervasive, pre precise fires, this will change the nature of the battlefield. So right. ATACMs, easy. F-16s and F-15s, uh, these are a long-term plan. They are going to have nothing to do with this uh, counteroffensive. They won't be in the force in time. This is, this is an investment in uh, Ukraine next year and years after that in the defense of their nation, which they're going to need. All right, I agree. Don't you think this is a window of opportunity after what we saw two weeks ago with the chaos in the Wagner Group moving on Moscow? Are we missing that window? Well, we are, we're missing lots of uh, windows, Brian. I don't understand sometimes our, our uh, philosophy of what we're doing with Ukraine. Uh, you know that we talk about all the things we've given them, like M1 Abrams. Are there any M1 Abrams on the battlefield yet? The answer is no. We talk about we've given them F-16s, and yet we haven't even released the policy decision to allow training to occur. The Europeans are ready and waiting for us to release the policy decision for them to start the training, even just the ground training. We can't get it started because it's held up in policy decisions in Washington, D.C. And uh, how many U.S. patriots are on the ground in um, in Ukraine. I think we three missile batteries. Given them patriots. The NATO allies have sent patriots, but you can't tell me very many U.S. patriots that have made it yet. So a lot of these things that we need to give them, we haven't. 
some of these things which we say we have given them are all held up and delayed and not affecting the battlefield, yet we sort of celebrate that we've got it done. Unbelievable. Uh, and guys like you have to speak out. It's the only thing because you're non-political and you know the you know the military aspect and not giving enough to win. And Zelensky can't speak out because if he alienates this administration, he has there is no fallback plan. So he's got to yeah, be happy you know, with what Brian, he gets. <clears throat> we have to be thankful for what the United States is doing. We can't we cannot say we're not doing anything. But the real question is are we giving them what they need to win, or are we giving them just enough so that they don't lose? Many of the most offensive things that we talk about, and some that, like the F-16 uh, and others, that we say, quote-unquote, we've made that decision, we've given them that, none of them are having an effect on the battlefield. We celebrate the decision and I think we're celebrating mm. the wrong moment. We should be celebrating when these systems like ATACMs, F-16s, uh, Patriots are actually on the battlefield doing their job. That's when we should celebrate. I hear you. So, so General, I want you to hear. I think you know what's going on with the fighter jets in Syria. They're going after our Predator drones with their fighter jets. We know what they happened and took one down by knocking the propeller. So for the last two days, the Russians have been doing this. And this is the response from the Pentagon Press Secretary, Brigadier General Ryder, Cut 25. Three Russian fighter jets began harassing uh, those drones, uh, using things like uh, parachute flares to drop in front of them, as well as uh, one aircraft engaging its afterburner, clearly meant to harass um, and clearly unprofessional and unsafe behavior on the part of the Russians. And he's calling for it to stop. Is I know spokespeople don't set policy, but is that the tone you're comfortable with? Well, Brian, no, it's not. And here's the question. Are we surprised? No, no, I'm not surprised they're doing this in Syria. They did it in the Black Sea, just like you talked about. They dinged one of our... Uh, our aircraft then, ha- then had to uh, be scuttled after it hit the water. Um, and what did we do? Well, what we did was we, we had a strongly worded message, and then we backed up all around the Black Sea. We moved the airspace away from Russia, so we ceded international airspace to the Russians uh, in order to solve the problem. So what is the lesson that the Russians learn? They learned that, one, they can get away with knocking down American un, unarmed or unmanned aircraft. And two, they also learned that if they do that, they gain airspace and ground space and so forth because we will simply move further away from them to avoid conflict. We, we should. The next step, we should give them we should give them a escort, don't you think? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is remind the whole world what international airspace and international water space is. We used to do a lot more of what we call FON, freedom of navigation. These are exercises both in the air and on the sea, and we need to go out and exercise freedom of navigation in the Black Sea and make sure that Russia understands that we are going to operate freely in international airspace. And we have not done that. And so, yes, Brian, there we need to make sure that we exercise these freedoms 
we don't cede airspace, and if necessary, we enforce the exercising of these freedoms. All right. Where is the head of uh, the Wagner Group, uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin? Where is he now? Is it true that he was actually in St. Petersburg yesterday, and are you surprised he's still alive? Well, uh, I don't know where he is. I, I I have the same reporting you do. In order to uh, be able to speak freely, I don't take classified briefings these days. I get my intel from people on the ground in Europe. Um, and it's, it's pretty sure that he's not in Belarus. He's somewhere in Russia. And for him to do that, there has to have been a, an accommodation made. Again, I'm not terribly surprised about this. Brian, you saw that right after... He turned the convoy around and went south. Within hours, Lavrov was up making a speech, and he actually said, you know, that that the Wagner group is actually very useful and, quote-unquote, doing some very good work in North Africa. We also now know that the Wagner group is the number one resource for recruiting Russian soldiers. We also now know that the Wagner group provides most of the food and and uh, and uh, sustainment for Russian troops. So what it tells me is the Wagner Group is so embedded in the Russian military, and the Russian military is so uh, dependent on the Wagner Group for some of these basic things that it looks like Mr. Prigozhin might actually survive this and continue in some capacity to serve Russia. This is the dangest thing. One thing that I definitely get out of this, though, is that Mr. Putin is not nearly as, quote-unquote, in charge of his nation as we all thought. This is this whole thing tells me that there are a lot more cracks and light shining through in the superstructure. Mm. Which of goes how- back to my original premise, General, that they're vulnerable now. The Russians don't want to be there to begin with. They don't know how to fight. They don't, they're not well, they're not well drilled. Uh, they're not well schooled. Uh, their uh, officers having trouble getting discipline. They've lost 50% of their fighting force, according to UTEL Intel experts, uh, UK Intel experts. Uh, and the worst is yet to come if the Ukrainians can capitalize. Uh, and final thought? Uh, final thought is Slava Ukraini. Uh, we, uh, th- there's a lot of dialogue in our nation about what we should be doing or not be doing for Ukraine. Put me on the side of these people are fighting an existential fight against a former world superpower who is bent on eliminating the Ukraine state. I don't stand for that. I don't think a lot of people stand for that. We should be giving Ukraine what they need to win on this battlefield. We have said more than once that we're going to support Ukraine in what they want to do. Ukraine's uh, president and Ukraine's people in recent polling have said in a demonstrative way, all Russians out of all of Ukraine. There you go. That's what we should be working on. Retired General Philip Breedlove, thanks so much for your passion, your insight. Former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. Thanks, General. Thank you. You got it. one 408 7669 Your call's next, then Shannon Bream. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
a talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm going to have uh, Shannon Bream on shortly uh, to talk about what's happening. I-, I hope you don't mind opening up. I know Ukraine may, be, might, may not be the first thing on your mind, but believe me, if you want to affect foreign policy, Ukraine has to win. Can you imagine embolden Russia? Uh, even in five years, they'll re they'll rejigger, uh, they'll firm up again, they'll tr- they'll learn from this experience, and they'll be even more of a formidable partner with China. Instead, they need to be humiliated, like they deserve to be humiliated, and that's what they're en route to happening. If we give the Ukrainians what they want, the ability to fight effectively, but to fight effectively against the Russians, who, by the way. Keep in mind, Vladimir Putin lost that whole guise of invincibility. He lost the whole guise of Mr. Tough Guy. He could take his shirt and go anywhere he wants on a horseback now. The only thing people are going to remember is when they were moving on Moscow, this guy left the city. And now his number one enemy says, I'm going to exonerate him, the last report. And he was back in St. Petersburg. So you're going to go through his stuff and try to humiliate him. That's fine. But it seems ineffective in a half measure if he's able to go back in the country. Remember, he was cheered. Uh, Prishkogin, Prishkogin, uh, Prigozhin, when he came back into that country. I think he's as evil as it gets. So I'm not hoping for his success. What I want is chaos. Chaos in Russia, to a degree, knowing that their nuclear arsenal will be secure. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's going to get ugly. And look, I I think Threads does look almost exactly like Twitter. I was sort of struck that in the design, in the the usability, very, very similar. Look, I think the challenge, though, is is Elon Musk has been his own worst enemy at times. And he had uh, a really good product, which I think he talked about free speech and opening it up to a lot more users. But he's created a lot of glitches, a lot of problems that even some of his biggest fans have really gotten frustrated with. And look, Zuckerberg sees a business opportunity. I think he never talked about creating a competitor to Twitter until some of these recent developments. And look, I, I think he's the strongest threat to Twitter in that social media. Scene. Yeah, I think they got 30 million users already in one day. Joining us now, Shannon Bream. Shannon, are you on Threads? I did sign Ugh. up. Um <laughs> Only because it was so easy, and I always say I'm not doing any more social media because I'm old, and I'm not – like, you're not going to see me doing TikToks and that kind of stuff. Breen's got to draw the line somewhere. But the threat thing was so easy. I'm like, well, i got to go check it out. I'm an investigative journalist, Brian. I've got to know what's going on in the world. My problem is in the big picture. It's not that you're on another social media, and when I call, I'm going to get voicemail. That's a different story. I don't like that Elon Musk actually (laughs) unveiled what was going on behind the scenes at a level I never thought possible. He deserves full credit for it. A lot of the evidence that Schellenberger brought forward and Matt Taibbi brought forward and Barry Reich brought Mm -hmm. forward is only because of Elon Musk, which got us the court ruling that helps the country about political bias and with pandemic and deciding what science is right. All those things were exposed and our rulings there to protect but how are we ever going to get access to find out what's going on with another social media platform that's there to compete with Elon Musk, who just mm-hmm. happened to leave the family of oppression a short time ago? 
Yeah, and so this new judge's ruling, it's temporary, but it suggests that he may be going that way. But how in the world do we police that? Because are you going to have to rely on whistleblowers, either inside the government or these social media exactly. companies, to tip us off? But I trust people Twitter. People are complying with the ruling, which says the government, these specific agencies and people can't be having secret conversations with social media. Right, uh, which makes me think that Elon Musk has to prevail. And I'm wondering, legally, is he does he have something there that they hired former Twitter employees and they've made the exact same site? Is that allowed in the social media world? Does he have a legal case? I think that what they're going to do is say, well, it's slightly different the way the chronology works and the way the postings work, and it's a longer format and all that kind of thing. Um, but I think that it's a it's a risk that Zuck is willing to take because I think he feels like Elon is on the ropes with some of the stuff. So, um, you know, he's going to go after it and make that product just different enough that he can argue it's not a direct copy. Um, because there are a lot of social media companies that will say, well, what do we have in common? You can post. You can post pictures. You can post video. Um, Thread seems suspiciously like, as it's being called, quote, a Twitter killer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're in litigation very soon. Right. Uh, and then it goes on, and we don't know if anything's going to be stopped. I, I, don't, I didn't think Truth Social, that's similar to Twitter. They didn't get any lawsuits, maybe because they don't view it as a threat. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think they probably see that as a different platform because they see that um, it's a smaller audience capture, and it's mostly people who are fans of President Trump, agree with him, want to hear more from him. It's not that same open public square, I think, that people would argue Twitter is. I think Threads is a much closer match to that. Elon Musk tweeted out, competition is fine, cheating is not. Zuckerberg says, wow, 30 million signups this morning. Feels like the beginning of something special. Uh, but we've got a lot of work to do to build our app. Uh, he later would say, uh, through Andy Stone, to be clear, no one of the Threads engineering team is a former Twitter employee. It's just not a thing. And then Zuckerberg said, basically, that there was an opening there and a playful jab at Elon saying, Threads has officially arrived and the CEO of his great company, Meta, took time to go after and uh, take a jab at the social media saying this. I think there should be a public conversation with one billion people in it. Twitter had an opportunity to do this, but hasn't nailed it. Hopefully we will. So game on. And this just plays Mm -hmm. into the Octagon story. And I'm just wondering if Elon Musk doesn't buy it, does he have any interest in rolling out threads? Well, and I don't even think it matters if you're saying you specifically hired Twitter employees or engineers. I mean, if, if your claim is going to be that they're ripping off your business model and it's such a match that it's in direct infringement, I don't think it matters if you hire Twitter employees or not. What I do want to see is the physical showdown. These two keep saying that they're careening towards because I think, you know, they can do something good, make it pay-per-view for charity or something. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they should take out their frustrations in the ring and let some charities benefit. So – When we look at, as I pivot over to the White House, when we look at this White House story, is this going to be an episode of cold case in 25 years where we just can't get to the bottom of it? Because the new report says the cocaine was found in a cubby near the White House's West executive entrance, not the West Wing lobby, wiping out the generic stray tourist Mm -hmm. with extra coke that he was tired of carrying around in this hot summer day. Uh, I want you to hear Andrew Bates on Air Force One answer the question that people have. Is this Hunter and Joe's cut 11? Former President Trump has made some pretty wild posts uh, recently on social media. Uh, one of them was that uh, the cocaine found in the White House was had belonged to either the president or his son. Are you willing to say that that's not the case, that 
they don't belong to them? I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that true? Was he in danger of going to jail for violating the Hatch Act and talking about cocaine? That might be a little bit of a stretch. And if that's the case that anything having to do with Hunter somehow triggers the Hatch Act, then every situation and every conversation they've ever had that has mentioned Hunter's name or the investigation or the charges of the plea deal was all, that all Hatch Act stuff, too. I mean, I think it stretches the Hatch Act a little bit to say that that's um, going to be triggered by these conversations. But it is interesting to a lot of folks out there who will say, gosh, it was very quickly done that, you know, the people who were involved with January 6th, I mean, within hours, some of them, within days, their phones have been triangulated. People were showing up at their homes, at their businesses to question them, to arrest them. Like when there's an investigation that the federal government wants to get done, at least the optics are to people out there that they can very swiftly get things done. All of us who have spent time at the White House know you do not just walk in there. It is very controlled, and you're controlled to only certain parts that you're cleared into. So if there's a, a universe of people that would be in a specific area that's not open to public traffic, which you would still have a record of anybody coming in on a tour or anything else, it's, it stretches belief for people to think that there's no way this can be ever solved, right. much less not in a few days or weeks. Especially if you believe in yourself. Uh, Shannon, if it is Hunter Biden's... Number one, what does it do for a potential plea deal that's evidently been framed out and been accepted in June, knowing that drugs and tax evasion are part of it? First, I want to ask you that question. Okay, and I think I think it is a leap for us to say, like, oh, there's some connection to Hunter. We just have no clue. He's supposedly okay. you know, clean, sober, having a family life now, doing really well. I think everybody wants that. Nobody wants an addict to have a problem there. So I think, you know, that's a little bit of dangerous speculation to go there. But, um, yeah, July 26th is coming quickly, and that deal has to be approved mm. by a judge if there are still questions at all about what's going on with Hunter. And we know that to avoid the gun charges, he has to agree to certain things, that he won't get in trouble with certain, you know, issues, crimes, potential crimes, all those kinds of things. So if there are questions out there, um, I say we probably don't get any answers on this thing before July 26th. But... If you can clear out and say that it's, you know, an employee or staff or a visitor or whatever, um, that actually works to the benefit of Hunter. So they should give us that information before the 26th. Mm-hmm. The fact is, I think in Washington, there are a lot of people doing cocaine. Um, so I think there are a lot of potential contenders for being attached to that bag. So who else is doing cocaine, Janet? Um, I'm not the same <laughs> personally. I was trapped here. Trust you. me, I don't think that all of the Politico types in Washington are, you know, Clean and sober at all times. But but what I would say this, if it is turns out to be his, it would blow up the plea deal, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you could have a definitive connection, that would be a serious problem that could upend the entire thing because it is predicated on him staying out of trouble. And the other thing would be Secret Service. A lot of times they are part of the family. They have Mm -hmm. to be around the candidate, the VIP. So. Mm -hmm. We watched the Secret Service who worked with Donald Trump be forced to testify uh, about mm-hmm. about what he may or may not have done with those documents. Could mm-hmm. certain Secret Service who were in the area at that same time be asked to testify what they saw with the family? I mean, they could be compelled, and I would think that, um, you know, their duty is to the country, not to their specific protectees. I mean, yes, their their life is on the line every day for their protectees. 
but ultimately their oath is to the Constitution and to the country, not to a particular person. Um, so, yeah, we've seen cases where Secret Service agents have been compelled to testify on any number of things. And think about with a lot of the January 6th stuff and the hearsay and things that, you know, about Secret Service agents and who was grabbing the wheel and the beast and all of these different things. And then several of them came forward and said, like, actually, the stories that you were told did not line up with what I experienced that day. So on any number of issues, they wow. can be called. To, you know, to testify. Sound of Freedom is this runaway hit movie that's beating Harrison Ford's latest uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. Um, is it Raiders of the Lost Ark? Indiana Jones, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sound of Freedom. Uh, and Jim Caviezel came out and said he feels like religion, part of this is a religious movie, probably Christian religion is under attack. Have you heard that before? From what you see, does he have a case? I mean, you might have seen some of those interviews. Yeah, and I interviewed him during COVID, too, and he talked about that he thought that the churches really needed to have much more of a backbone about standing up. And religious leaders had to stand up and say, if you're going to let liquor stores and strip clubs and pet stores and hardware stores and all these other places be open, we should be showing up for church. And he really felt like a lot of um, religious leaders in this country kind of caved in a way he thought they shouldn't. And he made the case then, this is a couple of years ago, saying, you know, people of faith and people of religion in this country need to grow a backbone and be doing a lot more out there to share their faith, to stand mm-hmm. up for their faith, and not kind of just, you know, roll over and um, go along to get along. So I, that's a theme I've heard from him quite a bit. But this movie, I can't wait to see it. I have um, a lot of friends and folks who have seen it. It's a very powerful story. And I think people are desperate for a story where good overcomes evil, which is what this is about. And I think people want to believe that there are people who are willing to go out there, put themselves on the line, mm-hmm. fight for the innocent, and make some good things happen in the world. All right. Uh, did you notice this? I did an interview this morning about these Muslim families and Christian families combining mm-hmm. because they do not like some of the curriculum in these public schools. And I've never – I didn't anticipate Christians and Muslims getting together on so many issues of late. Have you noticed that? Yeah, because a lot of that's happening in our area, in the D.C. metro area in Washington. And, you know, these families are talking about the fact that they want an option. If you're teaching material that's in conflict with our religious faith and our beliefs of Islam and how we're raising our children, we want an opt-out. We're not saying that we're pulling the kids out of the school or whatever. We just think that parents should be notified about things that don't line up with what we're trying to teach our kids and that we should be able to have an opt-out. And they're saying in at least one county in our area that they're not going to be allowed an opt-out. So your kids have no option but to learn something that, for these Muslim families, say, is in direct conflict with what they want to teach their children. And they find it very disrespectful and damaging. And, yeah, there is that commonality that's very interesting among these these families of deep faith who say on these particular issues, we are very much lined up on the, you know, religious freedom in this country, freedom of speech, all of these things that we want for our kids. And we don't think we should have to segregate them out of public schools in order to, you know, let them learn the values that we have at home. Understood. Have you thought about guests for your weekend show? I have. Shall I tell you about them? Yes. Okay. There's a lot of foreign policy. As you know, the president's traveling off to NATO. Um, Are these countries like Turkey and Hungary going to, you know, Make agreements. Let Sweden get in. It's an important thing. And what about Ukraine? I mean, is that something that everybody wants to happen? So we're talking foreign policy with Democrat Senator Tim Kaine and Republican Senator John Barrasso. Um, and we're also going to talk D24, what's going on in the polls in the world with former Governor Chris Christie. Why is he doing this? What is his lane? Um, what's he all about? So we've got that to talk about and much more. David Weiss, U.S. attorney, is he going to testify? At what point will he talk with the committee about the Hunter Biden case? And what are you doing Saturday night? 
I'm going to be on your show and also watching your show. <laughs> you're going to watch. You're going to watch wait. the rest from the green room. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I will watch. I will participate, and that will help me prep for Sunday morning. That, um, anything I can do to help the network and to help uh, Shannon Breen become even a bigger star, if that's possible. <laughs> by I'm hanging only. out with you, I'm hoping you will rub off on me. That's the plan. And oh, by the way, pick up the love stories of the Bible. Speak biblical lessons in romance, friendship, and faith. Lastly, and this is the hardest one. Do you believe that Tom Brady, Kim Kardashian relationship is real? And if it's not, what do I believe in anymore? I don't. But the only way we will know it is, is if he starts modeling her underwear line skims. <laughs> if he doesn't add for them, then I'll believe they're together. All right. It's going to create uh, some tension with Kanye. But that's Oof. I live for other people's relationships. So this is right <laughs> up my alley. You <laughs> know what? I'm going to send Tom and Kim a copy of Love Stories of the Bible Speak just in case. I think it's a great idea. Uh, thanks so much, Anna. Bream, see you in an hour. See you Saturday. Bye. Bye. Uh, back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Tom Brady can't date Kim Kardashian, okay? Kim Kardashian... Listen, she's hot, she's a bazillionaire, but she's like a paparazzi girl. She f***s on camera to get famous. Sure, she's talented, she does other stuff. She ruins every man's life she touches. She's a Daily News, a Page Six, a reality TV girl. Nothing, I, I'm, a, I'm, what am I? I'm nothing. She's like, I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. But you're Tom Brady. Exactly. You're Tom Brady. Kim Kardashian's going to go follow up up to Kanye West. I mean, what's the I don't see the problem. I don't understand. Like, it's she's quite dynamic, as is he. They probably will have interesting conversations. I think they're both a little who knows, but, you know, possibly beautiful old. children. No, no 45, 42. Yeah, 40. But you, you know, um, I think it's. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's fun. Um, Portnoy just loves Tom Brady, so I think he's... Well, I do think he's looking out for his best interest. His best interest. Don't you Long-term so? or short-term? Well, I just think number, number one... Well, I'm just saying a long-term thing would not, be, would not be good for him. It sounds like he's just trying to find himself after retiring from football. Seems it's like a he phase. he wants to have fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did say he needed a lot of electrolytes after that white party. I thought he doesn't... I guess like I guess he splurged right. and he had some alcohol. Yeah, I guess so. He yeah, he said he's still holding on to that diet. The other thing we have not talked about is Mayor de Blasio and his wife. I mean, they are they decided she said she rubbed his back and says, How come you're not cuddly with me, essentially? And he says, Oh, by the way, let's just get No, I think it was the opposite. I think he asked her, Why aren't you lovey dovey with me anymore? Oh, she you mean he, the tall one. Yeah. The man. So that makes it even yeah, so they're like, Oh And then she said, I have a great idea. Let's Separate, live together, and date other people. And date other people. Why not? Can you can you right now just jot down a list of the people, couples that you know this worked out with? <laughs> not many. I did see on the post though, and I didn't read the story, but um, they asked New York City uh, single ladies if uh, De Blasio is an eligible bachelor or not, and what they had to say about him. I mean, you think people are running beating well, down his way, door? It's not like he's rich. Yeah. I mean, it's not he's rich. And Sid Rosenberg this morning, the WABC elite anchor, said that they got huge court problems, legal problems. 
and that they're better off staying together to fight them, I guess, legally, perhaps. And maybe that's the real reason they're not moving out. Eric, would you be able to get on that and work on it in the break? Eric's going to work on their both relationships. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show, one of the last hours of the week on a weird week. Uh, I mean, you got the holiday right in the middle, July 4th, and just when you think everything's normal, out comes the, uh, a key ruling in a court case that's going to impact social media and possibly how we're covering election major news stories and, and medical events in our history. And this judge, who's a hero with, in my mind, Judge Dowdy, who was put in place by Donald Trump, but the vote was 98 to 0 for his approval and then originally was nominated by Barack Obama, looked at what's happening with social media and came out and said, uh, it's not going to stand anymore. You try to do this and it is going to be uh, illegal and you'll be arrested. And I'm talking about the FBI, Commerce Department, White House, looking on social media and deciding to squelch anybody's voice that's not endangering the union. And that means Donald Trump Jr. cannot have be shadow banned. That means you can't um, ban someone like Kaylee McEnany for retweeting a New York Post story like you did before. You can't do everything that Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger and Barry Weiss were able to re- and Dave Rubin were able to reveal when they got to look at the Twitter files and things like uh, uh, the FBI going out of their way to say classic Russians information and 51 intel experts decide to marginalize the biggest story that nobody covered until eight months later with Hunter Biden and the revelations that could have slipped an election. So that happened in the middle of the week. It's a different week. But it's not the only big story. Stunningly, and I thought it was a joke at first, cocaine was found at the White House. The third location now, it's been found at the White House. Third location. Get this. A new report says cocaine that was found at the White House was now found in a cubby near the White House's West Executive entrance, not the formal West Wing. It's heavily trafficked only with people from the White House and their guests, not tourists, who are getting the blame, possibly, in speculation, for people looking to cover for the Bidens that cocaine couldn't possibly have come from them. Been theirs. Multiple officials involved in the White House cocaine inquiry now say the bag of powder was found in a cubby near the West Executive Wing. Investigators expect this to be done, uh, investigations to be done by Monday. And two sources familiar with the investigation said the inquiry has previously been expected to take a couple of weeks. And on Monday, they could come out and say, investigation complete, we don't know. Now, it would never happen with you and I. Believe me, they get to the bottom of it. They have DNA. But you know how inconclusive DNA is. I'm being sarcastic. The cocaine was found in an entrance area now between the foyer and lower level lobby. They say the sources say the entrance is near where the some vehicles like the vice president's limo or SUV park. Oh, wow. Blame Kamala. Why not? I'm not saying they're blaming Kamala. I'm just saying now she's got to be a suspect, which is just hysterical, is that when the rest of the media that is always covering for the Bidens who are just not curious about things that might make them, make them look bad can't get enough of this story, and they're asking questions, and some of the answers are so ridiculous they're worth recording. This is pure audio because it was taken on Air Force One. This is Andrew Bates, the deputy press secretary. He's probably been demoted today. Cut 11. Former President Trump has made some pretty wild posts uh, recently on social media. Uh, one of them was that uh, the cocaine found in the White House was had belonged to 
either the president or his son. Are you willing to say that that's not the case, that they don't belong to them? I, I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. <laughs> Do we have more of that soundbite? There does seem to be some increasing frustration coming from that corner in general. Uh, and I think it is probably rooted in the contrast between their substantive policy records. Okay, this is hysterical. I got to read this. Ready? What I will say is that I noticed there does seem to be some increasing frustration coming from that corner in general. Okay. So instead of saying it is not, I've questioned the president and he's assured me he is nothing from the Biden family. Instead, we get what I will say is I have noticed this is increasing frustration. All right. Now, remember, this is the third place that they've located, that they've said that the the cocaine was located in. If it is hunters, think about how problematic this is. Brett Tolman did. Cut 13. The requirements that they're putting on him are that he's not supposed to do drugs and he's not supposed to possess a firearm. Well, that's easy enough. Just give him a felony and let him suffer the consequences like everybody else for for his his felonious you know activities. This bag of cocaine, if it has any connection, any connection whatsoever to Hunter, it is a game changer. The federal drug laws are very tough, even on small amounts. Five grams of a of a cocaine base can get you a mandatory minimum five years in federal prison. It will all depend on what the pro- prosecutors want to do. But this is this is a very treacherous territory for, for Hunter Biden. Right. And this guy keeps coming up again. Now, look, I, and someone wrote me today and said, isn't it odd that someone could have that strong of an addiction for this period of time and quit just like that? And you always think, because we know the pattern with drug abuse and alcohol abuse, it's so hard. Gambling, any addiction, it's so easy to have a relapse. And I'm not judging people. I'm just telling you. That's what makes people think, listen, they know people in their own families and then themselves say, listen, I, I, don't, I couldn't quit in, in one, one session, one rehab stand or two or three. Let's see whose it is. So, But that's not all the Hunter Biden story. The other story is the whistleblowers that have come forward and talk about the, the sham in which this investigation took place. And they put their careers on the line to come forward and just say, this guy, this is not, this investigation was not on the level. They seem to have already been punished. Experts are baffled at the White House uh, invoking the Hatch Act. And they're also baffled by the fact is that the whistleblowers have been pulled off the Hunter Biden prosecution case and the probe. So the Republicans like Jim Jordan said, hey, uh, Andrew Weiss, uh, you're, you're going over this probe and you're already punishing whistleblowers that have come forward and doubted the purity of your investigation? How can you do that? You have until yesterday to come forward at 5 o'clock. They've totally ignored it. How do you just ignore this? And how do you just sully whistleblowers that come forward? This is what gives people like Edward Snowden a reason when they come out and said, I went to Hong Kong, then I went to Russia because I knew if I came forward with the revelations I had through normal whistleblowers' venues, I would be punished and lose my job. I was the one of the people that said, you've got to go through those, those passages. You'll be protected by Grassley and Jordan or whoever's in power then. But it makes Edward Snowden's decision look wise, although living in Russia, never wise. Here's Miranda DeMine. She's all over this, the author of Laptop from Hell, New York Post columnist, Cut 15. He's on the run, and you heard him say he thinks he'll be on the run for the rest of his life. Um, 
he he tells me that he's really in fear of his life as well. I just well. want to pause this for a second just to further define this. This is the story. Uh, he's talking about Dr. Gal Luft, who is overseas now, who thought it would be a good idea to expose what he knew about the Biden family and their overseas business operations. He wanted to do it for the country because he think that so, saw that Biden was making gains in the primaries and wanted to make sure that they knew that the person they were nominating might be compromised. Now let's continue. Now he he doesn't want to give his location. He's afraid he's going to be killed. And so we put a 15-minute video out, and those are some of the clips I could play for you after this. But he just talks about the way the Bidens go after whistleblowers, no matter where they are and who they are. Cut 15. If he can testify by, I don't know, remote video or by sending yeah. in a video, I, I don't know how Coma will figure that out. But what we do know is that the Democrats are absolute past masters at trashing every whistleblower that comes forward. And you're seeing in real time as they're doing it to the IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, a man with an impeccable record uh, of honesty and integrity who has um, recovered billions of dollars for this country. And you just watch how they tear him down. So I am watching it, and I thought if you put sunlight on it, it would be protected. But obviously it's not. Here is Dr. Gal Luft. It's worth playing again. It's not getting a lot of play so far. Now, I know he's got, you know, they're coming after him and saying that he's he's dealing weapons to other countries. He's Israeli. He lived in Washington, D.C. Some of his associates are people we've had on as guests in her show, like James Woolsey, former CIA director uh, under uh, under this guy named Bill Clinton. Also, I think he was uh, a supporter of Donald Trump's Cut 16. The DOJ sent to Brussels a delegation of six uh, people, two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York by the names of Daniel Reichenthal and Catherine Ghosh, and four FBI agents. One of them was Special Agent Joshua Wilson from the Baltimore Field Office, which also happens to cover the state of Delaware. Now, you want to ask yourself, why did the government dispatched to Europe so many people? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible uh, witness and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals that enriched the Biden family. Okay. Now that's a guy who's coming forward, naming names of people in the room, telling you the FBI agents and their name. And he also says they got a mole in the White House who's got one eye. If you are making up a story, it's hard to imagine you naming names, putting out a tape, putting your name out there, and talking about government officials that would turn around and sue you or knowing that they're going to be asked about this. And they'll get, they have to turn, all of them have to turn around and go, he's a liar, this never happened. My sense is people this savvy, involved in intelligence, know how to cover their tracks and back up the veracity of their statements. That's my sense when you do it for a living. You know, the average whistleblower, IRS investigator, maybe not. But a a guy like this, Dr. Gal Loft, with uh, Israeli background, names a special agent, Joshua Wilson, for the Baltimore field office. That's a guy that's pretty strong with, I mean, that's pretty specific. He didn't say four FBI agents. I didn't get their names. Black hats, black jackets, dark glasses. No, he's naming names. So I, it's hard to believe that the this Rehoboth retreat this weekend with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden is going to be like every other July 4th week away 
right before a NATO get-together, which is what they're doing. When we come back, I'll take your calls, and we're going to go over uh, some other things, including Zuck versus Musk. The meta man suddenly decides he wants to take down Twitter. I think it has everything to do with the fact that Musk has been transparent about what's been happening leading up to the 2020 election and the pandemic afterwards. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I don't think we know for sure. I will accept the fact that he probably did go back to St. Petersburg to kind of clean house and make certain he's got everything he wants. He's got multiple mansions in Europe and certainly uh, in Russia itself where he can posit himself. So we don't know for sure where he is. The, the fact is he's, he does have, obviously, a, a sphere of freedom that he can execute despite the armed rebellion that took place a week plus ago. Uh, that, is, uh, that is the big mystery. And I'm always fascinated by guys like General Jack Keane. We're talking to General Breedlove, former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, say, I don't really don't know what's going on in Russia. And, man, a consequential country, uh, I like chaos. I'm, I'm not under any illusion that Medvedev or anybody else would be better. I'm not saying that. Uh, of, of course, there was an opening in the 90s if we were doing this show in the 90s. And, by the way, I think I was filling up for Tony Snow 2002. What do you think, 2003? So let's say in the 90s, there was a sense that Putin was an aberration, that there was a, there was a, a, a move for a degree of freedom, a hybrid between uh, an autocratic and democratic government over in Russia that, you know, uh, you know Yeltsin, as a big drunk as he was, was giving people an opportunity to invest in Russia, build some things in Russia. And that is why people like Bill Browder, were bringing their money and opportunities and entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial instincts over to that country. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That would be that would be pie in the sky thinking, which is not impossible, but it's true. But there are 156 million people. They have the biggest nuclear arsenal in the world, and they are on the march. They're on the march in Syria. They're creating havoc uh, in Europe. We see what they're doing in Africa. They actually have a role in Venezuela. As they have chaotic, if they are forced to actually attend to their people and their needs and bring some of that money home instead of into the yachts of the oligarchs, that will be better for the world. And that is why I really could not, um, I couldn't be in, more intrigued about what's next in Russia. While the Wagner Group, and they say that Prigozhin is not being pursued. Not being pursued because he didn't focus on Moscow. Interesting. Here is the president of Belarus who legitimately, and they thought it was a sham, but legitimately negotiated a de-escalization two weeks ago. He says, the guy's not here. Even though I gave him a base to bring the Wagner group, he's not here. Cut 23. In terms of Yevgeny Prigozhin, he is in St. Petersburg. Or maybe this morning he would travel to Moscow or elsewhere. But he's not on the territory of Belarus now. Fascinating. So with this chaos, 
and knowing the Russians are not into this fight and realizing that these people are not stupid and there were no not there were no Nazi movement in Ukraine and that they've taken hundreds of Ukrainian children, innocent children, and they have just disappeared or been forced on uh, forced adoption into Russia and see some of the horror on their friends being grinded up into the meat grinder while the generals uh, sit in the back and continue to push forward. William Burns, the CIA director, sees an opportunity. I thought this was an extraordinary sound by Cut24. Disaffection with the war will continue to gnaw away at the Russian leadership beneath the steady diet of state propaganda and practiced repression. That disaffection creates a once-in-a-generation opportunity for us at CIA, at our core, a human intelligence service. We're not letting it go to waste. We recently used social media, our first video post to Telegram, in fact, to let brave Russians know how to contact us safely on the dark web. We had 2.5 million views in the first week, and we're very much open for business. And think about the hundreds of thousands that left rather than go for the draft. And think about the oligarchs that have picked up stakes and gone uh, with their money. I'm sure they have to worry about uh, what's in their food and uh, where their family is. I'm sure that's an issue, but they'd rather take that risk and stay in that country. And if we could give the Ukrainian, help the Ukrainians get the victory they deserve in their country back and maybe even get as much as Crimea back, this will be the first break internationally we've gotten in quite some time. Because if you think about Iraq... That was a menace. You think about Afghanistan, the way we chose to leave. You think about China's influence in the Central and South America. You think about uh, the, the Belt and Road program, as unsuccessful as it's been, it's still been a program out to circumvent us. It would be great to see some of the new axis of evil, which is Iran, North Korea, Russia, and China, get some suffer, suffer from some setbacks. On top of that, China's economy not going strong nearly as much as they thought. When Secretary of Treasury Yeltsin, uh, uh, Yellen landed in China, they hope to de-escalate America's tariffs and stop as America tries is going to try to uh, shield off our key, uh, our key clouds in, with Amazon and Microsoft, and right now make them give permission by the get permission from the U.S. government before they allow China to use it at all. China's responded by limiting certain metal exports. They're looking. For Yellen to be the voice of reason there. And then comes John Kerry, the voice of illogic in his his climate agenda. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Tyrus. And I'm going to tell him once and for all what would happen if we ever got in the octagon. No holes barred, just me and him. I'm going to let him know what will happen. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Tom Brady can't date Kim Kardashian, okay? Kim Kardashian, listen, she's hot, she's a bazillionaire, but she's like a paparazzi girl. She f***ed on camera to get famous. Sure, she's talented, she does other stuff. She ruins every man's life she touches. She's a Daily News, a page six a reality TV girl. Nothing. I, I'm, a, I'm. What am I? I'm nothing. She's like, I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. But you're Tom Brady. And that is Dave Portnoy uh, of the famously of Barstool founder, a multimillionaire himself who worships Tom Brady. And we saw the news, the 45 year old dating the 42 year old Kim Kardashian with me right now. Uh, relationship expert Tyrus. 
<laughs> as well as Julie Banderas, who's also uh, yeah. loves talking about other no, couples. we're really yeah, successful yeah, yeah, relationships. Yeah, with it, yeah. how, how many shows have you been on just talking about these relationships? We actually have a dual book coming out. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just on Kim yeah. Kardashian. Yeah. How and, not to do it. Yeah, crime right. and circumstance. <laughs> right. The love boat. So listen. It's uh, sinking. It was that white party, the, you, the Michael Rubin evidently, the, do you know him? I interviewed him once. Okay. Uh, we're both Boston fans. I, I mean, he's all right. I got nothing, he's but, got a white know. party that everybody wants to go to in the Hamptons. Yeah. I mean, Tyrus, you go to a lot of these, and you live in the Hamptons, don't I you? I do. Right. Can you give your exact address out? Yeah, no. But no, please, please don't do that. <laughs> I will not but, do that. But it, but it was one of these parties that everybody wants to go to. See, Tom I Brady don't want to go to those parties anymore. You used to, though. I've, I've traveled the world. I, I, I literally worked for the coolest dude on the planet. I've seen it Snoop all. Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I've seen it all. You not know? not so, Godfell. No, not Godfell. I don't really work for him. Oh. Um, uh, but I, I've seen it all, so those things don't appeal to me. I think it's it's funny that people were even talking about this. Like, leave Tom alone. You know, this is if, Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing to this. I don't think there's any there there because uh, he, Kim does everything on social media for attention. That's her brand. That's how she does it. And if there was, there would have been pictures. She would, you know, there would have been all kinds of stuff. She would have came out. She would have, and then of course, then we would have had Yee but, but, going yeah. buck wild. Right, about Kanye it. West. You know, like Tom Brady is a saint. You know, he's just going to do his right thing. And hey, even and let's say it was. That's the thing. Is how about you applaud a guy who's forty five and is dating in his age group? Because everyone loves to attack older guys for dating younger men. Here Forty two. Yeah, you know. So, so who you brought cares? up a lot. Of, you said a lot of things. Yeah, you said a lot. Yeah. You said Tom Brady's a great guy. Yeah. Kim Solid. Kardashian around his age. Yep. And he's allowed to date who he wants. Yep. But they are public figures, uh, Julie Banderas, and it is noteworthy that two very famous, two of the most famous people in the world yep. uh, might be dating because it just so happens Kim Kardashian, I have met her a few times, seems a lovely woman, extremely successful. But every man she is with gets ruined. Kanye West lost his mind. Even what's his name? Kanye Pete was Davidson crazy before they got into, married. Pete just Davidson went into mental rehab. Listen, he also one, had mental the... issues and depression issues and personality issues before we met Kim. Okay, so but you don't blame being her. in front of a camera I all the time. I have a lot to say about this. First of all, they're both divorced. I mean, they're both divorced, so they have every right to date. Kim Kardashian, I've known for years. I've been close personal and? friends of hers. She's a really sweet girl. She's actually a really good person. She's an amazing mother. She's loyal as hell. She's a good person, I'm telling you. Not only that, she's so driven and she's so outspoken. Entrepreneur. And, and she stands up for, for people that otherwise would not be stood up for, meaning, you know, prisoners that perhaps were wrongfully imprisoned. But she tries, you know, and she I think that she gets a bad rap just because she's part of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She's actually one of the nicest. I know the entire cast. I knew Kanye before they got married. He was crazy, and he was crazy during their marriage. And in fact, all of the all of the family did not right. understand why she married Kanye. We were all kind of like, what the hell is she thinking? You're not buying it. I don't think that they're no. together per se, but I, I wouldn't doubt no. if they were flirty and stuff. Tom and if they a, were together, I'd say more power to her. She likes football players. The dynamic was basketball players. And there's only the one. The kid that was in New Jersey is the only one who survived. He owns a restaurant now. Humphreys? Which one? Humphreys, the light skinned oh, guy. He survived. Uh, Humphreys sorry. is a survivor. Okay. Humphreys is a complete loser. I oh my knew God. him See, very well. That's no. what I'm talking about. Do you know him? Have you hung out with yeah, him? I've spent Fourth of July together. I was the first one to hug him. Like, oh and I was like, we yelled God. together, free my at last. My sister directed last. his wedding. God, ah. You have no free idea how much dirt I have on the hum- on Humphreys. Oh, Holy crap. Where'd it come from? That guy, because I knew him personally.
Exactly. I'm right. telling you. First right. of all, my sister directed his Salt wedding. Salt of the earth. Okay? Directed his wedding. Yes. She absolutely mean? directed his wedding because it oh. was televised and she directed no. it. No, but my sister yeah. was the executive producer of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She's been I have so much dirt on her. For over 25 years you have now. no idea. Humphreys is such a jackass. Like, he Nerd. is such a loser. You know what? He's not here to defend himself, so right. I, don't I don't care. I will he defend was him. Such Would he a loser. still be in the NBA if he didn't marry her? No, his footwork was horrendous, but he did. He had effort. He had great effort. Right. And you know what? Let's just let's just keep it real. Since you want to put her over so well, he's such a tool. Yeah. God, he's how such about a tool. getting a bunch of plastic surgery and then making videos with girls on diet information, telling them this is all you have to do to be like this? Like, she's oh, that's fine. She's an influencer, and guess influencer? what? She makes millions and millions the salt of dollars of the doing earth. it. Millions of dollars Power convincing to her. girls Power to that Kim Kardashian. they can look like her with butt implants, boob implants, nose jobs. She's not telling people to go out and do it. And if you go out and sisters, do it, then you're no, stupid because you're following in her. Fo- diet plans convincing girls like, yeah, uh, just drink this shake and you'll look just like this. No, boo this one. She's not telling anybody to do any of that. She's living her life. She's a very nice person. She's very, very nice. All right, I got some. Amazing mother. I, okay, this is. By the way, we're breaking news here. This is yeah. to see the to take two global figures and God, break Chris it down. Humphreys is such a loser. Sorry. How just, dare you besmirch? God, Humphreys I have so much name. more right. on him. It's bad enough I can't to go say through it that life the last NDAs, name like but I'll tell you, what, uh, Alice, no this is idea. the first time besmirch was used on the show ever. I take it to the next Eric, level. would you look up in our library? All right. So how about this? Uh, AI, Joe Biden. Listen to this. You would think this is the old school of comedy. Here's Joe Biden talking about what he's up against on The Daily Show. Now, hey, I know I'm old as f- I get it, America. I'm tired. I'm slowing down. I make Al Pacino look like Timothy f- Chalamet. I know I wasn't your first choice in 2020. Hell, I wasn't my first choice. You think I like getting a syringe of B12 plunged in my ass every morning just to stay alert enough to run this country? <laughs> No, but these are the cards we're dealt, Jack. I'm going to be so hopped up on goofballs and cocaine, I'm going to make Don Jr. look normal. Reality is I can't step down and let who? Kamala run? Have you seen her as Veep? Get the f*** out of here. My priorities in 2024. So all I can say is a vote for me is a vote for four more years of holding fascism at bay. Or as long as this ticker keeps pumping a minimal amount of blood for consciousness. And if you can't tell this is an AI-generated voice, then lots of luck in your senior year. Whatever the f*** what that, do you, that was amazing. How funny is that? I actually think 40 years. He, he actually should endorse that and say it was him if, because that was the coolest Biden I've ever heard. I love that. Yeah, he I'd vote for him based on that AI. I would. He would have said, come on, pal. Who are you talking about? You know, Jack. Yeah, that was Jack. amazing. So, so, pop, no. so what, what I find really amazing about that, now they did the AI voice pretty good. It's him in the 80s, 70s. Uh, number two is it's actually funny. And they would, they would not do that in SNL today. They would not no. do that. Remember they made fun of Barack Obama? He had a really bad debate. They would mm-hmm. never do that again. Well, and that's what's killing me about comedy. They're, they're doing it now because they've turned on him. So now it's all coming out. Now they want to get on the bus. He's old all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden now he's old. No, he was, he was old 20 years ago. You know, Harrison Ford is 81 and doing the damn thing. Still working at a high level, doing high action movies. He's, and, but uh, Biden, who's around the same age... Is can't function like so that. So we're not making fun of 80 he's aged. No, he's just 
his life. All people age differently. Yeah, a, one eighty-year-old is not necessarily at the same cognitive level as another eighty-year-old. But right. I have to say this: this administration never owns up to anything, right? They never admit anything. They True. never admit that. Yeah, he's a little older than his age, right? And he doesn't necessarily uh, cognitively have it all together. But they, they should would never make say fun. that. To well, Wait, okay, not said. I'm old as f, but that was actually my favorite part. But they should say, "Look, I'm not a spring chicken. No, I'm not fifty-five. And yeah, when we get in our eighties, we might not be as sharp." I don't know. I think he should admit it. He says the exact wrong thing when he says, watch me, because we are watching you. (laughs) Painfully. Pete Buttigieg said it so eloquently. If you could only see him in the office doing what he does best, Ah. if you could just (laughs) sit in there. And this is where maybe you could make a call to your friend Kim, because she does reality TV shows. Maybe we get a reality show of what's going on in the Oval Office. No, get some clues about that. Would be the most boring reality yeah. is it? show really? ever. Yes, yeah, a Biden when napping. He comes out with He'd be pajamas napping. on and his suit napping. jacket on. With drool coming out of his face and but, like you know, and, and the indentation about of his and jaw and with his CPAP and stuff on the phone. He was and his CPAP straps right before phone. that news conference, by the way. Why do you think why do you think he had a freaking indentation in his cheek right before that news conference? Because he fell with his CPAP. No, no, he what? Yeah, he went no, okay, no. He had a freaking breathing device for his sleep apnea. And he fell. He was napping right before okay, listen, that freaking I, news conference. He fell. Okay. He fell well, with a sleep well, apnea on. But he you do bring up best. a good point, Julie, too. He could have fallen, but he, he does, not, does not have long days. Okay, but he, he just woke up from a nap is right. what I'm trying to say. I'm not, I'm not he saying he didn't take a nap fall. to get ready for a nap. So I had speculation before, which in retrospect is even more valuable now uh, for this segment, that he's not having a good weekend. Between the cocaine found... Uh, in his uh, White House, the weekend that he now has with Hunter one-on-one, knowing that plea deal looms, if this goes back to him and his family, the deal blows up. We don't know what else they found. And number two, he's got it ready for a NATO conference. He's also greenlit cluster bombs, which 120 countries have said not to. I'm I'm I'm, I'm pro-cluster bomb. Anything it takes for them to beat the Russians, I'm fine with. You know, here's here's the thing on that. I mean... My kids are young, so I haven't had to experience this yet. Uh, Julie, your kids are young. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would be so violated if, you know, I came home and my kids had got into my favorite scotch. You know, I'd, I'd be fired up. So he's got to spend the weekend with his son, and he's not sure if his son got half his stash, left it out. <laughs> so he's, uh, you know, this going to be awkward. It's going to be some awkward parenting. So don't worry. You know, you heard, I don't know if you saw, you follow my career close, but I do the morning show. I yeah. follow you right. so closely, Brian. Thank you. I'm actually a stalker. We have, um, thank you, I'd be You're honored. Welcome. Ambassador yeah, Nikki Haley was on today, and yeah. she just says, uh, if you don't vote for me, it's a vote for Kamala Harris. She doesn't even acknowledge that Joe Biden's on the ticket. In case you think that Kamala Harris is coming into her own three years in, listen to her, uh, on, listen to her talk about culture. Off the cuff, asked a question. You can go anywhere with it. Let's see where she goes. Cut 34. Well, I think culture is, it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? Oh, and, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. What? And, no, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of what joy. Because, you know... It comes in the morning. What? <laughs> oh, my God. We have to find All right. ways to also no. express Almost done. the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection 
to mm. how people are experiencing life. And oh, I my think God. about it Preach. in that way, too. All right. So okay, you know what? She should chili? take that cocaine that came in through the ah, entrance. I'm pretty sure it's hers. Her After ah. hearing that, it was hers. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure she actually needs it yeah. because I think I, I think yeah. that people that are on coke actually are more cognitive than she is. That's really Sometimes bad. Sometimes it makes you sharper. Tyrus? Uh, uh, you know what? That was awful. She's drinking. She's she's drinking. That was a drunk rant. Of something her speechwriter is is. Jack Daniels, I believe, because <laughs> that that's just somebody who's out. I got it. I'll get four score and, and culture. But that's kind of the way it is with this administration. Uh, Jean-Pierre used uh, preview and purview as the same word eight times. I'm not pretty sure she thought that meant what it was still, supposed to still mean. We're still not sure. Yeah, but she said it nine, nine, 19 times or something right. like that. Uh, and Kamala, you know, she's just... There's a flask somewhere, or she just found out that her half her stash was gone. Right, and she was herself. in the library, and then she had to go out and talk about culture, and, and basically so, keep your hands out my stuff. I'm gonna do, take a break, come back. We have a couple more minutes, but I just gotta ask you because we have, uh, you know, Tyrus got big news, Julie. Yeah, he's hosting the show tonight, uh, Saturday night at ten o'clock. Oh, is that correct? Yeah, I got a major guest, big timer. No, not, I was on. The show. I wasn't booked about, for the yeah. show. That's weird. Uh, actually, your people put us on hold. We're still on hold. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Tyrus, what's you your name? Change your music. Too, I mean, by I was booked it's when Cat was song. on. Yeah, you... I, I'm, I'm booked when Cat's hosting, but not with you. So yeah. I guess yeah. you need um, to make some requests. Oh, I Jesus pick up my iPad. God, Brian is but such a hot Tyrus, mess. Tyrus, what do we call the name of the show? It's uh, Fox News Saturday Night. So I mean, it's not it's, all gold. It's he seems <laughs> to love the title. It's very original, by yeah. the way. With, so it with, airs on Saturday. With Tyrus, yeah, <laughs> right. It's really good. Ten o'clock. Yeah, and it's gonna it, yeah. and this it's so part good. of that jam-packed Saturday night that you've been leading. Right, I'm joining the chase. Eight p.m. Baby, One Nation, which was probably a. I I'll tried be to on One Nation with you. him. We're gonna be your <laughs> lead-in, actually. Right. Well, we're going to be your lead-in, so you may actually have a chance at good ratings. Julie Bender is going to be on One Nation. Yeah, I All am. Right. Okay, I can't wait to see what you wear Saturday. <laughs> Back in yeah, a moment. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Look at these <laughs> birds. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back. Tyrus is here. Tyrus, uh, first time I'm seeing you with glasses. You're a good-looking man with glasses. Is that the Superman thing with it's my glasses? Clark Kent. Yeah, it's my, well, as my kids call it, it's my dad gear. So I wear glasses in my hat forward when I'm with my kids. Right. Thinking somehow that will How are you handling off. being two play two cities like this? Uh, honestly, you have you have weeks where you, you question a lot of things, especially when you're, you're tired. Because when you can't, uh, you can't come home and just relax. When I come home, the kids are waiting on me. So we got. And what are their ages? Uh, nine and eleven. Oh wow! At, at, that are at the house right now, and then my son is, my son's eleven. He'll be twelve in, in August, and uh, and they want to be with you all the time. They they got stuff to do. You know, we got stuff to do, and so I walk in the door, and it's, uh, and then of course it's, there's the other stuff, the the husband stuff, pay bills, listen to complaints. Uh, right. Find out which neighbor I have to talk I'm trying about. Trying to think of the whole map card by. that has. The, the... Yeah, no, we were a lot. You know, we were a lot of hats, and none of them hats say captain on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, there's no. You know, I'm still. I still do the grocery shopping. Right. Like, I'll be like, hey, uh, we have nothing here. <laughs> okay. Right. You guys know I come home every Friday night, right? I'm not asking for much. Just a couple cold cuts in the fridge would be. We'll go to the store in the morning, and I know that I'm going. So that's 
But it's a it's a good it's a good juggle. And the one thing I do when I'm here is this is the time I use for rest. Like when I'm done working, I go straight to the hotel room. Right. I, I don't deviate from my plan. Uh, Fox has an awesome gym downstairs, so I'm either You're here there all the time. my office or I'm. I'm here as much as you are, except you're going from show to show. <laughs> I get I get workout breaks in, uh, and uh, actually my workout buddy's becoming Bill Hemmer because he's always consistently down there. Is he really down? Yeah, you know what I appreciate about him? Forget the fact that he's a great newsman. He's not a chatty caddy. Like he knows what the gym's for. It's a quick hello. Oh, absolutely. And then get back to work. You got you, it. Yeah, you don't. No, no, no. You don't cardio buddy up and start talking about the wife and kids and all that. No, no, no. We're here to do work. So I, I appreciate that, but. Um, yeah, I don't leave my so hotel room. So he doesn't room. work out with you? Yeah. Uh, no. You no. just see him? No. He's, he, he comes in uh, when I'm already just about getting ready to start doing my heavy lifting stuff. and then, But uh, he's there. He's, his two well, hours are in. What do you think about these celebrities with these bodies, RFK, Jerry Seinfeld? Everyone's getting into the, the working out. I mean, are you seeing this now? Well, I think everyone wants to stick around. It's, it's survival. Yeah, it's not like, you know, because there was the Dean Martin era where their working out was dark alcohol, a cigar, and like six wives, you know. Right. Not at the same time. Right. They weren't polygamists, to be clear. But, uh, and those guys lasted forever. But then uh, the new generation is you got to work out. You got to keep things going, especially as you get older. And of course, with technology and science and the right, right. doctor, guys are looking jacked in their. 40s and 50s where they weren't before. Right. So a lot of it's science. Yes. To be polite. <laughs> and not necessarily barbell. With a prescription. Right. So watch Tyrus uh, Saturday night at 10. Yep. Yes, and, sir. And then on One Nation, 8 o'clock, that'll be me if that's okay. No, I'll that's be fine. Leader. Yeah, because I realized I watered myself down by trying to trying to catch you in the ratings. So, yeah, because they get a double Thanks, dose Tyrus. of B this week. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.